We're finally to spring training in Major League Baseball. Machado and Harper still are unemployed looking for contracts. The AAF just kicked off for the first time ever. And Antonio Brown is losing his damn mind. This is the We Don't Know Sports Podcast. Stay tuned. Well, 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 it is Valentine's Day, and we're actually here talking sports, and I know spring training officially has begun. Pitchers and catchers have reported. Bryce Harper and Manny Machado, along with 100 other free agents, have not. What the hell is going on with free agency and Major League Baseball? I'm telling you right now, I feel like we are doomed and destined for yet another work stoppage in a couple years. You guys tell me what the hell is going on right now. I mean, it's quite obvious, Chad. Ownership's smarter now. Analytics are a part of the game. And people are valuing their draft process, the trade process, way over the free agent process. These guys, they want these 10-year deals. It's not happening anymore. They... They don't mind paying what they're asking per year. Not for 10 years, though. I think the, 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 the art of the deal for 10 years is done. So we, we know that 10-year deals are stupid. The owners are now realizing that. But Biggs, like, we're, I'm seeing today in the news that Machado and Harper and all these, they're still meeting with teams, though, right? They're trying to work something out. Yeah, they're fine with not reporting until mid-March if it comes to that point so that they get the deal that they feel they deserve, not the deal that they've earned, not the deal that's on the table, not the per-year amount that's been offered, but the years that they feel they deserve. Well, what, what is that? What, are, what do they expect now? What, are, what do they honestly think they're going to get at this stage in the game? What I've heard is that Harper hasn't backed off of he'll accept 10 years. That's what he's looking for. 10 years. Yep. He's definitely said, I'm not going below 10 years. Now, I would tell you right now that there is a handful of teams that would say, I'll pay you 40 per for five years right now. That's a five-year deal worth $200 million, and he's saying, I'm walking away. Like That's insanity. The deal I heard offered to him or rumored was offered to him by the Giants was three years, $120 million. So it was Holy 40%. Crap. And he turned it down because it's not the right amount of years. I mean, here's the deal. You can't blame the owners. They're smarter now, so they're not going to offer the types of deals. We had the Soriano deal, Alfonso Soriano, the A-Rod deal, the Pujols deal. I mean, teams are living and they're learning from these deals, and they've seen what's happened to these teams, how it's handicapped them, so they're not going to do it right now. And I can't blame them. So these guys, if they want to get the purr and even bump it up, you got to accept a little bit less. So this stuff has blown up all over our social media, right? Like, has, has baseball not taken over? And we have this whole conversation that's taking place where it's, whose side are you on? Are you on the owner's side? Are you on the player's side? And, and, and it's so funny to hear these arguments because you'll get people out there that are saying, well, you know, the owners are just stingy. It's not cheaper for me to go to the ballpark anymore. And then you're going to get the players, you know, people taking their side that are coming out saying, you know, well, they're making enough money. They, you know, or they, they should be happy with what they, or whatever it is. My, my point is the fans are like so misguided on all this, but the, the problem where we're at 
is baseball has created this toxic atmosphere around these contracts. And there's the, the thing that, that I'm looking at though, is you got collective bargaining coming up, right? Like that's, that's on the horizon. I mean, 2021. Yeah. I mean, that's not that far away. away. You you can't, you can't do it the year of, you know, right. And if you're baseball, by God, you can't do it because you don't want to work stoppage. It almost killed your game last time. I mean, how do you fix where we're at right now? Because right now the fans are disenfranchised and the players think they should get the world and the owners have learned from their mistakes, like you said, yeah. and they're not going to screw up again. I mean, here's where we're at, though. If we get to a labor stoppage, I mean, I mean, let's let's hope we don't get there, but these players have got to convince America – and then obviously Canada, because uh, we have ca- Canadian listeners. We but do. the problem is they have to convince these players. I mean, the players have to convince the fans that, you know, they're doing the right thing for the game. And if they can't get the fans buy-in, it's not going to matter. And here's here's another crazy thing. We've asked people all over the country and Canada what their opinion is of who do you side with between the players and the owners. 75% people you know of these fans agree with the owners and they don't want their team spending money just recklessly they want their team to like manage the payroll and spend their money wisely from the revenue sharing the luxury tax all that good stuff but they don't want to just throw it at a flashy free agent if it's not a good fit so the fans have gotten smarter too oh canada I'll tell you, here's what proves the point for these big contracts and the length of them. It's not the amount per year like we've been saying. The length of the contract is what kills the team. So when you have low payroll teams like the Rays and the A's that are able to be competitive, it makes it that much more obvious that you do not need to hamstring yourself for what may be in 2026 to try and be competitive in 19, 20, and 21. And I think that the players are going to end up losing out on this. The only part of it that uh, concerns me from the player standpoint is some of these guys out of the hundred that are unsigned could be an everyday second baseman. He's not going to make a hundred million dollars, but he can make two million a year or two and a half million, and he's not getting signed either. The big contracts that are sitting out there, I think that's going to be how baseball changes in how they operate because it's all guaranteed money. All you right. can't afford to guarantee a guy forty million dollars when he's 38 years old. I mean, I've seen people throw things up to us about, well, we'll just do away with guaranteed contracts and do it like the NFL. Let's be honest. There's no chance in hell that's ever happening. I mean, yeah, no. the player union, they're not going to go back from what they have now. They're not going to no. give that away. Guaranteed contracts, they're never going to give that away. No, why would you? I wouldn't either. That's insanity. I mean, this is the same players union that never wanted to do drug testing to begin with. I mean, they're all about their players. The, the thing that I'm looking at, though, is where do you find that happy meeting? Because you are going to come to that CBA. And the, the stuff that we've seen, have you not seen this on our social media pages? You've had, we're talking about a, a, a floor to the salary because you don't want teams take, tanking it and then just trying to improve through the draft because you're always getting that crop. You know, just suck for like three years and, and build up a, a dynasty, so to speak. Or... You know, do you implement a salary cap? Now, they have the luxury tax, but the players' union sure as hell doesn't want a, a salary cap because they no, feel like that restricts not. them. I mean, where where do you find a happy medium? What rules can you change to make this work a little more functional? I mean, here's what they got to do. The fact is, we don't have a salary cap. We don't need one. But 
with the revenue sharing, the rules are so loose that all it says is that the team has to put that money to improve the product on the field. It does not say we got to put X amount of dollars in the major league product. They've got to make it to where if we're having revenue sharing, I think it needs to be tied to the floor of the payroll and show that we're bringing in some guys to make this team competitive to get the fans to show up. And I will say this, there's guys on the page and all over the country that think, you know, I'm not for the owners. I'm not for the players. I'm for the fans because they priced it so high that an average family can't go watch a ball game and get some hot dogs and you know, have a few beers and watch the ball game at an affordable price. That's not an option anymore. So if the owners, I got it, they don't want to spend $30 million per for 10 years. But if you're going to pocket that money from this revenue sharing, from the luxury tax, from the TV deals, you know what? Lower the ticket prices. Let the fans come in and let them enjoy the game. Would you not rather have it fill up the freaking stadium, enjoy your ball, t- ball team play, and they don't even look at that as an option. So I'm for the fans too. But they're not going to do that because you can say that you're for the fans all you want, but Major League Baseball is doing better now than it ever has in its history. No, I agree. This last year they had a rescindance in attendance a little bit, but if you look at their overall revenue with the TV contracts, the amount of people that are showing up to the games, the $10 hot dogs and the $35 beers, they're making their money. So, yeah, I'm about the fans too. But the problem is, as long as the fans keep showing up and paying the money and doing what they're doing, why were the owners ever going to change? The fans aren't showing up. The attendance is down across the board. Only if you're a Marlins fan. No, it's down across the board. It is, but you're only comparing it to the past couple years. But if you go back historically, and if you look from like 1960 to like 1990, and then it, it died because of the strike in 94, it came back in 98. If you look ever since then, they're light years ahead in revenue where they were compared to there. Yes, the attendance isn't skyrocketing, but it's still doing pretty damn good. It's You're, the TV deals. The Marlins get 15,000 people to show up every game. The Marlins. Like, I, 15,000. That, that's it. Ah. It's because they're hoping Jarek Jeter will walk out and throw out a first pitch. That's the only reason why they're there. He might. He's looking a little old now, though. He is. He lately. is. All those hits take a toe on you. I mean, what do you think, Biggs? Where do you, where do you stand? I think until you see revenues drop for at least two years in a row or you have a drastic drop over two years, you're never going to see owners change what they're doing unless it hurts their bottom line. A lot of these guys who own teams have been around it for 20 years. So like Chad DeMarc just said, revenues may have been down last year, but they're still up 50% from what they were 15 years ago. They're padding their pockets. The one thing I would like to see is that in the NFL, Arthur Blank and the Atlanta Falcons did this where they made their their concession prices affordable for fans. If you're going to charge me $75 for a nosebleed ticket, at least allow me to buy a $5 beer and a $3 hot dog. It's got to be gluten-free. So right now, the average salary is $152 million. You have 11 teams. You mean uh, the payroll? Yeah, I'm sorry. Average payroll. Not so, well, collective salary, I guess oh, is I gotcha. what I meant. For yes. Team. Payroll for a team is 152 on average. You have 11 teams. Diamondbacks, Marlins, Phillies, Braves, farm system, right? Mm-hmm. Reds, Pirates, White Sox, Rays, Padres, farm Athletics, <laughs> Brewers. All of them are under that mark. 
And not just under the mark, they're under 125 million. But those are some big market teams you mentioned. They, I mean, the Phillies. Phillies surprises me. The the White Sox. White I mean, Sox have been hoarding these prospects for a while, so that don't surprise me. But but look at the, the playoff contention teams: Diamondbacks, Phillies, Braves, um, the uh, Athletics, and Brewers. I mean, you, it, it, it is Moneyball. Like Billy Bean wasn't stupid. Like it, it's a it's a thing. And if you look at other sports now, it's starting to catch on. People are looking at all these other crazy analytics and things now. It's insane. But the the thing is. At a certain point, you gotta if you're going to do revenue sharing, because that was one of the things that they fought against for the longest time. Is we don't want we don't want socialism in sports, which is not socialism when you're all playing the same damn game in the same damn league. But the revenue sharing means that everybody's getting a little bit. You know, the Yankees ain't happy about that. The Red Sox ain't happy about that. The all Dodgers, the big market teams. No, the big market teams aren't happy about that. But you know what? For the greater good, for the good of the brand. That's what you got to do. It's what every other major sports franchise, uh, you know, league does. But when you see a team like the Royals, who don't give a damn right now and aren't spending any money, it's got to infuriate you. Well, you've had the players' union. Uh, they didn't file grievances, but they were borderline doing this against the Pirates and the Marlins uh, as a result of them not, like, showing how they're spending their revenue sharing on paper. I feel like it's got to be more uh, streamlined. You've got to be able to see how you're putting this back on your product. You just can't be like, I'm using it for minor league scouting, you know, because that's so like skewed and it's so obscure on what you're doing. I mean, you've got to have something on paper to show the fans that, yes, I'm using this money to improve my ball club. We're not we're not there yet. See, if you're a small market team, though, you got to get fancy with the books because it's the same concept as it is in the NFL where you got to win before you have to pay your quarterback. Kansas City Royals had all those guys come up through their system, were really good for two years, entered the World Series, won a championship. Houston Astros, they were dog shit for a while. Look at the resurgence they've come. Look at where they built from. Then they added in Verlander down the road. You spend a little bit of money. The Royals chose not to do that. They can't. But it's that same type system. Unless you're the Dodgers or the Yankees that can go out and continually be at the top end of payroll in the major leagues, pay the luxury tax, you got to kind of pick and choose your spots. And if you got to get creative with your revenue sharing, then so be it. Well, I'm not, I'm not saying what well, I'm saying real quick. I'm not saying that they need to spend, they're not, they're not keeping up with the Joneses. You're not trying to be the Yankees, but you're talking about teams that are $20 million below the league average, $30 million, $40 million below the league average. I'm not saying, you know, like you mentioned the Astros and a few other teams, they had a plan in place. They developed their their farm system, and they they had a, a, a their eyes on the prize, and and it paid off for them. I'm talking about the teams, you know, like the Florida Marlins. Yeah, the Marlins. You've got your uh, Tampa Bay Rays, who actually won 90 games, but like that shocked the hell out of me. Your Cincinnati Reds, up until this year, doing something. I did not know the Rays won 90 games. Yeah, your teams that's like showing no. Any strategy in sight, no minor no league incentive to get better. Yeah, no minor league system that's like saying these guys are knocking on the door. There's got to be some kind of strategy, and you. I think those types of teams have to show on paper how we're using our revenue sharing to improve our ball club. 
And right now, there's no penalty for just pocketing the money. All right, so we can agree that in general right now, the current system is kind of screwed, right? Like, you got to do something. You can't just, you can't go through the CBA and and, and repeat this in 2021. No, they, they've got to make some tweaks. Now, I can't blame the owners for not paying what the players are wanting because the, the market's adjusted itself. They've seen these bad contracts and they've adjusted. I just feel like the teams, as a whole, have to spend their money. And they I think they should be accountable on how they're spending their money that's given to them in, in a competitive way. These teams, some of them just, just pocket it and they're done with it. and no, There's no repercussions for it. I agree with that aspect of it because you know there are teams out there and owners who are just taking the revenue sharing, put it in their pocket, and it's kind of bullshit because you're taking what other teams are doing to make themselves successful and generate that revenue sharing. Like uh, what the Royals did, the Astros, they had a plan in place. The Marlins are taking that money. Are they going to be a decent product on the field in two years? I mean, absolutely not. Here's what's yeah, funny. So- Here's what's funny about these contracts, though. These big old long-term 10-year deals, like mega deals. You had uh, the Soriano contract. They they regretted it from the beginning, right? You had the A-Rod deal. They, they actually got a good about seven years because he restructured that about four or five years in, and they were fine with it. It wasn't until the last two or three years when the PEDs and his age caught up with him that they didn't like that. But the Miami Marlins made that deal with G- Giancarlo Stanton, and you know damn well they weren't going to live up to that deal. They figured out the quickest way they could ship his ass out of town, and they did it because no, they, they couldn't afford for, it. They got to pay for the chlorine in their aquariums. There was no way. No one's doing that deal no more. But this is what's stupid. This is, And let me ask you this. Do you guys know what percentage of revenue in Major League Baseball actually goes to player salaries? Because everyone wants to always make this about the owners. I They're, they're to blame, or I love the owners. I'm sticking by them. Or the players are to blame, or no, the players deserve more. What percentage of revenue the Major League Baseball takes in do you think goes to the players? 38%. What do you think? I'm going to say uh, 40. 51%. Wow. That's in line with the NBA, who everyone will sit there and tell you is the most player-friendly league out there. And you got more players in baseball than in the NBA. It's not the NFL, obviously. but And we're not talking about minor league, obviously. But but I, what I'm saying is, it's not like the players aren't getting their fair cut. It's not like the owners are pocketing all the money. So when people say that they don't want to side with the owners, they want to side with the, the, the fans and the players and all that, like, get out of here with that. I the, believe you side with the players, correct? I, you know what I side with? Did you convince yourself Everybody's to change? shutting their damn mouth and just, <laughs> you know, show up and play. Yeah. Play like it's 1925. Enjoy the game. It ain't happening. Like, look, I'm not the one that's ever going to sit here and complain that they're making millions of dollars because the machine creates it. You exactly. know what? If the vehicle is there for them to make the money, hell yes. Because if you're telling me I got to pay $20 to sit in the outfield of a baseball game. I don't care. Supply and demand. It's I'm, simple. I, I'm going to do it. And if I'm not doing it, somebody else is. The minute they stop doing it, they'll lower prices. They'll lower the price of your beer. They'll lower the price of your hot dog. But right now, they're not doing that because things are okay. Yeah, attendance went down a little bit. But do you think the owners are crying about it? No, because the revenue is still there. Revenue keeps going up. 
yeah, attendance has gone down, but everybody's still making money. And it's, it all goes back to what you said. At the end of the day, this is what I think the biggest thing is. Mr. Brown said it. The owners have already been burnt on these damn 10-year contracts. And they ain't doing it again. They're done. Would expansion help correct some of this? I don't think they can do expansion because you have uh, cities now that can't even fill up the stadiums. I think we got to get those cities taken care of first before we can even think of expansion. I would love to see expansion. What what cities are those? I mean, you got Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay's not even in the bottom three. They can't fill up their state. That's like ten thousand people. But but Miami. What my all right Miami? You know who the second lowest attendance team is Pittsburgh. I mean, because yeah, they're they're one of the teams that was just blatantly not following the revenue sharing. But let's be real. These two Florida teams, let's just get rid of them because let's all be real. The South is Braves country, okay? <laughs> well, Florida has shown they're not baseball territory. Because they're but, Braves fans. But, like, I, I'm not – look, I'm saying if you put a baseball team in Charlotte, you put a baseball team in Nashville, put, I, I don't know where else. Montreal. Las, Montreal. I know Mr. Brown wants <laughs> that. Put one in Las Vegas. Even Portland. Portland. Maine, right? Yeah. Or Oregon. Yeah. <laughs> not Maine. But, <laughs> but you 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 put it. My my thing is right now. What they say there's an estimated 100 free agents out there, right? Like legitimate yes. guys that Correct. can play. If you had two more teams, would that fix that problem? And would that help fix some of the revenue sharing? Because now you're spreading it a little bit more out there, and maybe you can put some pressure on some of these other teams. Maybe they need to be more like the NFL, where they can just be like you know. Davis Jr. out there in Oaktown saying, I'm just going to take my team to Vegas. Well, all we need is one more team. That way we'd eliminate interleague play and have an even amount of teams. One more team. That's all we need. It's happy Valentine's Day to me. Just one team. You just said you want to eliminate interleague play. Absolutely, I do. Biggs, do you want to eliminate interleague play? I would love to. Oh, my God. I thought I was the only person that hated it. Limit it to the All-Star Game and the World Series. You know what? It made, like, was baseball's All-Star Game not the best thing in the world because you never got those guys to play? Yeah, and I'm going to take it a step further. When your team is met up in the World Series. They've never played. You didn't really know what you were up against. It was, it was like, oh, I can't even. You can't even. There's no other sport that does it. No. The fact that you see each other in postseason in October, that makes that much better. For, for for everybody. So I, I, I like to get rid of interleague play. It was good to bring the fans back, but uh, I think it's a thing that's it's it's done its time. You can do without it now. Oh, absolutely. I'm perfectly fine with NL and AL only ball. When you think of getting to the postseason and playing more than a one-game setup like you have in football, anytime you're playing a best of three, best of five, best of seven, you get to the championship series, you play that team in the regular season in the NBA and in the NHL. You've played that team. Major League Baseball was the one that was unique because you were seeing them for the first time. Well, and, and baseball, your season goes through series. You're playing people multiple times. Or, you know, you're playing a Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. You know, it's just the way it goes. NFL, look, you only got 16 games. It is what it is. NBA, you're playing 82 games. I think they have a perfect format. And I'm not saying we go back to the days of of yesteryear where the NL and the AL operated like two separate entities entirely, although I would love the abolition of the DH entirely. But I think that 
on the field to keep them separate. Don't let them play each other. Man, it adds a mystique, doesn't it? And then, like, when you have a player that potentially switches leagues, you know, it's kind of like, well, let's see how they do now. They're playing against all new talent. And and it's just the, the, the stuff that's so great about it is you're able to have stars. It's like having two different leagues in one. I mean, technically that's what you're doing, but – you have your Cy Youngs in the AL. You have your Cy no, Youngs in the well, NL. You know, it's let's great. stop it there. Like the fact is, the NL East plays the AL East. Okay, so the AL East is is a juggler, not, and so is the NL East this year. So, like you're you're faced uh, with playing these crazy like high powered teams, whereas the NL West versus the AL West, you might it's face a the Astros. It is. I mean, so let your teams play a more competitive, balanced schedule against their own league, and then let's see what happens in the World Series because you shouldn't have to get beat up on your own division then go play the AL East and then get beat up in all those parks too. I don't care that the Yankees play the Braves. I don't care that the Angels play the Dodgers. I don't care that the Indians play the Reds. Let them do what they did in the past and then – Let's have the Midsummer Classic and let it be exciting and let's get to the postseason and you get to see something brand new that Major League Baseball, they, they could sit there and say, nobody else in sports has this where these teams haven't played. They haven't faced each other. They haven't faced their competitors. And you get to the end of the year and you got a brand new thing. It's like a whole new season. I mean, and I wouldn't be opposed if they did it like, let's say we're going to mix in a few games every five, every ten years. Something that would like be a good matchup, but like it can't be every year. Period. Now you know if you want to do it, here's what you do: you do your, do your Mets and Yankees right correct. once a year. Right. You get one series. I don't even know once a year. But I don't it, even like it once a year. You, know, you do a weekend series and call it a day. That's it. I don't even like that. I I'm just saying if you want to find a compromise. No. But I don't. You know what? For everybody listening out there, tell us what the hell you think. Everyone wants to get so opinionated on our sites and talk about baseball. How do you feel about interleague play? They don't like it. Nobody likes interleague play. Then why do they do it? Like, revenue. Who, I, how does that help revenue? Like you're telling me you're getting that much more excited if you're a Cardinals fan because they're playing the Tigers instead of playing the Cubs again? Get out of here with that crap. There is nothing like a Mariners-Marlins series. Come on now. <laughs> <laughs> that's the Ichiro series now. <laughs> All I can say is everyone that's been on the page that's uh, commented or liked about the free agent process, if you're with the owners, if you're with the players, if you're with the fans, uh, comment on the page. We'll put a follow-up uh, comment on there. Let's get the uh, conversation going back and forth. But... Baseball's got to come up with something, okay? But it, it, it's all about us fans. We're imploring you all, rise up in the streets with your fists held high, your torches burning, and your pitchforks out. Let's go and make a statement and tell them what the hell we want. We're all with the fans, and we're all with the players. The owners, nobody really cares about. They're all billionaires anyway. But let's just make sure we're doing what we can to put the best product on the field we possibly can. At the end of the day, that's all you ever want, right? Amen, brother. Last question I got. By the time we come back next week, will Machado and Harper have a job? One of them will. Which one? 
I think Machado signs. I think Harper holds longer because yeah, Boris is running that circus. I've heard both mid-March, but then I've heard he's talked to the Padres twice in a week with Machado. So, I mean, that's going to be hard on a team because these guys aren't even, like, in spring training yet. They're getting ready to report. So, I mean, the pressure's going to start mounting. Are these guys going to show up or not? What about Wolfgang Fist, uh, the uh, closer out there? Kimball, is he going to go anywhere? Yeah, to Atlanta. You still holding out for that? In about two weeks. Two weeks. He just doesn't want to report yet. Is that what it is? He's just saving his arm. Hello, ladies. Here at We Don't Know Sports, we love all of our fans, but especially our lady fans. For all you jackasses out there that screwed up this Valentine's Day, it's not too late. That's right, as Mr. Brown just said, the perfect symbol of love, Stephen's classic red roses picked at the height of its beauty, preserved and trimmed in 24 karat gold. That's right, these roses will last forever, and they come delivered in a signature gift box with their own personalized message. Display them year-round, so if you screwed up this Valentine's Day, don't worry, your savior is IHateStephenSinger.com. I hate Stevensinger.com will fix your snafu on this Valentine's Day by making up for it and giving her roses that will last forever. Right now, you can get a special deal for $59.95. Make sure you mention We Don't Know Sports in the comments. So football didn't go away very long. If you paid any attention this weekend, the A... AF, is that right? AAF. AAF. Alcohol. No, I don't know what it means. <laughs> the American Alliance of Football or some stupid thing. It started, and for a glimmer and a, and a brief moment, it was glorious. Did you watch any of it at all? There was games on Saturday and Sunday. I saw the highlight that was not flagged where uh, the quarterback <laughs> got his helmet taken off. Everybody saw that. That's the most I saw the weekend. I mean, you had uh, Trent Richardson. He had the two-touchdown game for the Birmingham Iron. You had uh, – He almost had a costly fumble, too. Oh, yeah. What is it? You had a ha- Christian Hacken – what's his name? Hackenberg? It doesn't matter because he's going to be cut and they're bringing back who? Jamarcus Russell. Jamarcus, baby. Just throw me the long ball. Deep ball. I don't need to watch no stinking tape. So, I mean, like – I. I I'm going to say this. I do like some of the rule changes compared to the NFL. I love the fact that there's no extra points and you got to go for a two-point conversion every time. That's outstanding. I love the onside kick rule where you have to get it, I think, fourth and 12. Fourth and 12. And I also, there's other, one more rule that I like, and I can't remember off the top of my head. There's a uh, Well, you, can only, you can't rush any more than five people. Oh, that, yeah. It's the onside kick rule. You have the, the – oh, Is there a fair catch? No. Uh, it, there's, got, no, there's no kickoffs. That's what it that, was. Yeah, there's no kickoffs. So no kickoffs, no two-point uh, – there's no kick uh, extra points, and then the uh, onside kick rule. I love all this. Forget all that. My favorite thing is listening to the replay officials, like, talk out loud about what they're looking at and how to figure out whether or not they're going to, you know, confirm or overturn a call. Something new, something different gives people a little bit of a uh... – let down between the Super Bowl scouting combine and the draft. Yeah, the big thing for me though is like everyone got really excited 
because I guess the the AA, AAF, I'll get that right eventually, the AAF games had a higher television rating share than the NBA games did uh, in the same time slot. Now, that is impressive in a certain feat because they were on, what, CBS Sportsnet? I mean, it's not like they were on the main like television networks or anything. However, it's the first week. You know, I, I will remind everybody when the XFL started, they were running like a nine and a 10 rating share and everybody was going crazy. And Tommy Maddox was the sexiest man alive. He hate me. He hate me. Rod Smart was out there. These guys were going nuts. And then, you know, people realized, you know what? The quality on the field's not that good. And honestly, when I was watching the AAF games, it just seemed like a preseason football game. It was sloppy at, at most points of the game. I mean, they basically said they compare it to, like, uh, second-string players on the NFL. I think that's a bit of a reach. I don't feel like a lot of these players could be second-string. Like, like you know, I, I don't see it, but I think a lot of it is guys that's, like, trying to uh, – you know, make their mark and get back on these practice squads and even getting uh, a chance to come to the spring practices for the NFL teams and make their mark is getting on that way. Yeah, the A teams and the AAF, uh, the way it's said, are each assigned basically four NFL franchises where they can pick from their practice squad or players that they have on their team can be funneled out to those teams almost as a uh, – triple a system so kind of like you said the second stringers there will be a few of these guys who this upcoming season you'll see on a roster made his name whether it be a big hit or a big play for the most part these guys are going to go back to big and groceries uh, kurt warner is not walking through that door i mean am i the only one that's got my uh birmingham birmingham iron shirts i mean I I mean, I was going to, but you caught it first, and then I was like, I can't just jump on the bandwagon. So I was trying to see who else I could fall in well, love with. Good news for you. The Birmingham Iron is the lowest percentage uh, Vegas odds to win the championship this year in the AAF uh, they, inaugural season. They were. He hate them. I mean, yeah. that's, that's how that's working so out. you're not jumping on the bandwagon. You're rooting for the underdogs, I son. don't know if they're the underdogs now after they put an ass whooping on mm. – uh, who did they play? They played uh, San Antonio. Yeah, Singletary. Yeah, he obviously he can't coach in any capacity. <laughs> <laughs> don't don't. <laughs> hey, but hey, have you all heard of like the uh, couple of players that they've tried to recruit to the league and to no avail? Oh, I have, but I'm going to pretend like I haven't. Do tell what what two players might you be talking about? I'm going to leave that to Biggs. He's awful smiley over there. So who's the two guys? It's just not. It wasn't for them, I guess. The next AAF All-Stars. Who we got? Tebow. 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 You got two guys who are both out of the NFL for kneeling for different reasons. <laughs> yeah. They have different fan bases. I'll say this about So, so I'm guessing Tim the Tebow. other one must be Kaepernick then, huh? Yeah, Tim Tebow and Colin Kaepernick. So why the didn't, didn't Tebow do it? Why didn't Tebow do it? Well, he's playing minor league baseball for the Mets. Yeah, he says his goal is to reach big leagues this year. So, all right, that's his goal. So why didn't Kaepernick do it? Uh, because reportedly his contract demand was $20 million to even show up. I mean, I can't imagine why they wouldn't pay him that amount of money for this. That sheds some light on why some of the NFL teams probably haven't signed him either then. <laughs> like $20 Martyr, Martyr or starter. That's a good. That's a good look for Kaepernick. $20 million. I mean, I'm going to go ahead right now and announce that 
I'm not signing with an AAF team unless they give me $20 million. I mean, I'll sign for $20. <laughs> I mean, come on. I mean, bat, bad neck and all. Just sign me up, coach. When their stated contracts are $70,000, $80,000, $100,000 in that order, and if you wanted to play and you're like, well, six, eight million dollars a year or something. Twenty million dollars? You kidding me? You haven't played football in two years in the NFL. What makes you so special? Oh God, you know they would love if Tebow and Kaepernick were playing, because those are personalities, man. You think their ratings were good now? Oh God. Be oh through- my God. People would watch that like it's the NFL. My here, here's my thing. I have two questions for you guys though. One, is it going to sustain? Like it's it's just the the new thing. We watched it the first weekend. Is it going to fade away into oblivion, and and can it sustain itself? And two, does the XFL have a chance? Because the AAF already started, and they have ties to the NFL where the XFL doesn't. So where are they going to get their players at? And what type of quality program are they going to put out next year? I mean, I'm going to say this. I think the AAF will stick around because it's more of a de- developmental league for the NFL. So that's kind of looking for them to uh, pluck some uh, talent from there. And uh, I think it'll stick. But XFL coming in is going to make it very interesting because the, the audience is only so big for uh, summer football. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't know if it's enough, big enough for both of them. We'll see. I mean, you do have uh, Bob Stoops representing XFL, so that makes it legit, right? That's it. I think that uh, the AAF has a better chance to stick around because they're almost like the minor league system with their ties to the NFL, and they've stated that they don't want to be a competitor to the NFL. They want to help it. Here's the thing. When the XFL comes in and you got big old Vince McMahon, no chance in hell, he'll say, hey, Colin, you want to come play? We'll get ratings. Here's $10 million show off. Now he needs 20 no, but you tell me right now, if Colin Kaepernick is out of the league, which he will be, that the XFL wouldn't pay him $15 million. It's $20 million today. It's it, true. It'll, it, it'll reduce. It'll go down. If they gave him a three-year deal for $15 million, you wouldn't give that to him if you're the XFL? you got to have some kind of face. And what if, what if Tebow – has fallen out of favor with the Mets farm system. That one year might be all the difference. You might be able to pay these guys a little bit of money and their household names. It might be a perfect storm. The XFL might survive. I still feel like it's going to be more like Mutant League football. It's going to be like, rock and rip. I think that you could give Kaepernick $20 million. I still don't think he'd come play. Tebow, on the other hand, he'll be 37, and you could give him $25, and he'll come play. I don't know. He may not want to associate with the likes of Vincent Kennedy McMahon, though. Well, hold on now. The XFL has said they will not have ex-cons like Greg Hardy in their league. Hey, Greg or Hardy's too busy knocking should, fools out and kneeing them in the head in the UFC. Should be cons like Greg Hardy. I'm sorry. I mean, are they going to allow someone to come out and, like, RKO the quarterback? Because, I mean, if they do, I don't really care who's playing. I will watch that. Like, if they all wear shoulder pads like the Road Warriors did back in the day, I'm tuning in. Yeah, I'm telling you, if they can RKO or do whatever, that's that, – that's You get me. Jim Ross on the mic, I'll watch every XFL game. He did call some of the XFL he games last time. time. Yeah. My God. <laughs> it's a slobber knocker. I killed that quarterback. <laughs> 
Well, ladies and gentlemen, right now we got Tim Tebow coming in, and business is about to pick up. Never mind, he kneeled. <laughs> All right, so so moving away from the developmental league, so to speak, we got plenty of time for that to unfold. The biggest single article of activity we got in all of our social media this past week was Antonio Brown. Holy crap, that thing went out of control. And the news broke. He wants out of pit. He doesn't want to be a Steeler anymore. He, I don't know where he's going to go. There's, there's what, four or five teams that are like rumored landing spots? So, so two-part question. Like, do you care where Antonio Brown goes? And is it good or bad that the Steelers soap opera might be slowly winding down? Because, man, I love watching the Steelers implode from the inside. I mean, the four teams that they've mentioned is the Oakland Raiders, the San Francisco 49ers, because he's getting recruited by Jerry Rice. You got the New York Jets, and you have the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, that's the four favored teams right now. The only thing that Pittsburgh Steelers came out and said is that we're not going to deal them to the AFC North, and we're absolutely not dealing them to the New England Patriots. That's, <laughs> that's what they've said, so everyone else is on the table. The Patriots got the draft picks for it, though. It makes sense for both teams. I just think they're saying, screw the New England Patriots. We're not trading them, period, to them. Patriots are getting that. We're not helping you regardless of anything else. Five, but you know what? That's fine. We got enough draft picks. We can go get a real receiver like OBJ. I think that Antonio Brown, if he does get dealt, the Jets are the landing spot that could pay what he already makes, if not the more he wants, cap space to do to deal with his existing contract. And they're dumb enough to want to face a name. Steelers can rob him. Here's what I like. I'm hearing rumors of Nick Foles heading down to Jacksonville to supplant freaking... What's his sorry-ass name? Blake Bortles. Blake Bortles. Get him out of the seat. You got Nick Foles, Magic, to Jacksonville, along with Antonio Brown, A.B., for the Jags, baby. Championship. Yeah. Ramsey might talk finally in a good, positive <laughs> light to somebody on his own team. They'll all fall in line. Oh, God. If it's not Jacksonville, and in all seriousness, I think it's going to be San Fran. I, I think it's San Francisco. I mean, why why not the Raiders, though? I mean, they got the draft picks. They could do something. They could, but do you really see Gruden and A.B. like you know, meshing together? I mean, the, the one time Carr's back has a little <laughs> Fred Gilly incident. It's not going to work out well for anybody. And then I just think Gruden's going to be like, yeah, <laughs> we're trading you for a pair of Hooters wings and some Coronas. Uh. It's, 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 that's what's going to happen. <laughs> But, you know, here we are a year removed from the Steelers being a playoff team, and now they're, they've lost Le'Veon Bell. They're losing Antonio Brown now. I mean, is this team even- – I'm going to tell you what they're going to give up for him. What's that? They're going to give up Garoppolo's girlfriend for him. Well, She's going straight to Pittsburgh. That's, she might be from there. I don't know. The means <laughs> I don't know what the hell that was, but I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> That's the intro. Go ahead, Biggs. <laughs> I'm a little disappointed to see Antonio Brown leaving all this dysfunction in Steelerland. It's nice as a Patriots player, or a Patriots fan, because it uh, distracts from the fact that they're a super talented team. They're just a bunch of nut jobs. I'll tell you what distracts me is that blonde mustache he's got going on. What the hell is that about? A blonde it's mustache. It's got to be some pop culture that I don't understand. Have you seen it, Biggs? Oh, no. 
Yeah. It, uh, so I'm just like, all right. So a- as we're sitting here talking, I'm going to uh, just I'm going to Google Antonio Brown, blonde mustache. I'd be just a little iffy dealing for Antonio Brown at this point. Nine years in the league, just a little bit older. He's been paid once, and here's what happens. When you get paid, it doesn't make you become a different person. It makes you more of what you already were. So if you were already an asshole, you just become a bigger asshole. Can you see that, Biggs? What? You got a boot. That don't look right. I know. He's got a blonde mustache. I mean, I'll say this. If if AB's head is on right, I mean, he's top, you know, one, two receiver in the league. I mean, talent-wise. And he's going to make your team win games. I mean, if he's on straight, his head, then you're going to win games. But you don't know what you're getting. I mean, because he's held on this long, and now and now he's kind of coming off the rails. Are we going to get the A.B. we've seen with Pittsburgh for the last several years? Or the A.B. that's kind of like flipped this switch to where I'm kind of batshit crazy? I think you might get one or maybe two years out of him. But you know what I want to see? I want to see him go to the Raiders. Because I want to see Facebook Live after a game with Chucky losing his shit. That would make my day. Couldn't you, mean, couldn't you imagine Marshawn Lynch if they sign him back and then A.B. there after the game? I mean, that's – I mean, you want to put butts in seats in the new stadium? That's what I mean, you do. I, I agree. I mean, let's be real, though. Spitzburg, they've got the pieces to move on. They need to move on from A.B. They need to move on from uh, Bell. They have Connor. They have uh, Samuels. Juju. Juju. He wants to be the guy. Let him be the guy. I think you trade both of those pieces, get whatever you can, you know, and shoot for the best in the draft, and let's see what you got. Because Pittsburgh, even with getting rid of those two teams, they're, they're right in the playoff picture right now. And, and we've already seen teams that don't overspend on stars. You build depth, and you can pay for a lot of good position players and that's what's going to matter late in the season. Stars are great, and you got to have people to get you yards when you need it. But at the end of the day, you got to be able to have more than just a handful of guys that can win you games. You got to have a whole team. And if you can get three or four, even five draft picks for those two guys, I think you're well on your way with what they already have. Well, as a Cincinnati fan, I hope they don't get crap. There you go. It don't matter because it's the Browns division. Everyone else is just living in it. He's mentally preparing for that. Hey, speaking of the Browns, did you see their sexy hire? Kareem oh, Hunt. Sorry, sorry, sorry. That's not a hire. Hey, how's it not a hire? They hired him. I thought more of like a coach perspective. Well, sorry for the uh, signing. Their sexy signing. My fault. I mean, that's a great move. Him and Chubb's going to be huge, but how long is he going to be sitting out? Well, they, they haven't said yet. Do we have an update on that at all, Biggs? Do we know what's going on there? We do not. The rumored uh, suspension is six games, but there are a lot of people saying that anything less than a season is unacceptable. They're just basing the six games off of what players have had in the past with uh, first-time violations of the like it's not it's not Ray Rice. It's not, and I'm not condoning it at all. The biggest thing to me because he, he it's not like he really got a hold of this woman and tore her up. Like he, what he did was completely wrong, impermissible, and he absolutely should be punished for it. But 
it's not anything he was going to do hard time for. Like, let's be honest. The biggest thing he got in trouble for, and the reason why the Chiefs cut him, is because he lied. Now, that 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 penance has been paid. So I'm really curious to see how the league kind of handles this. And I'm not saying they should take it lightly. He should be suspended at least, you know, a portion of, of the season. I don't know what, what the right answer is because, you know, in this day and age, this kind of crap happens all the time. And it's it's often newfound territory for us. You know, when, when you got someone who acted ag- aggressive toward a female, you know, didn't hit or punch or anything like that, but, you know, they say kick. But it was more like shoved with his foot. He kind of nudged her over. I mean, it was wrong, and it was terrible. And she might have called him the N-word or whatever was happening there. But either way, they were both screwed up and doing the wrong thing. I mean, I'm going to be honest. I've seen worse in my son's uh, soccer field games. Hey, you got to be careful about that stuff. No, that's, that's true. That's cold-blooded. They teach him cleats up. I'm telling you, I've seen worse out there than what I saw in that video. So, I mean, I, I understand – that they kind of cut him, like, because he lied. But, like, it was nothing like Ray Rice. I feel like he should serve his time and then just get back on the field. It's not even Joe Mixon. No. I mean, not that the NFL suspended him. That was a college thing. But, I mean, it wasn't even – I mean, what, what was worse, you know, him or you know, Jameis Winston? You know, you can talk about these guys and what they did, whether it be them or – Colin Kaepernick or Michael Vick. Here's the thing. If you're supremely talented, you'll get a second chance. Michael Vick earned his second $100 million contract after he spent two years in federal prison. Green Hunt, whether he's suspended all of next season or not, the Browns have him under contract when he is reinstated. He's going to play again in the NFL. He is a young man. Even if he misses all of next year, he's still only 25 the year after that on an up-and-coming Browns team. Do you think Michael Vick had the picture of the dogs playing poker in his house. <laughs> that's, that's outstanding. Oh, he should. Oh, it'd that, be great. That's good. I mean, I'll say this too. I don't feel like, and I'm not, I'm not condoning what uh, cream hunt did, but I feel like what he did after I saw the video wasn't even nearly as bad as the reputation and, and the repeated offenses by like a Josh Gordon. Oh, I mean, look, and you you can't you can't lay your hands on a woman ever. Like like uh, unanimously, everyone here at the We Don't Know Sports podcast will tell you that is something you shouldn't and, and can't ever do. And we all teach our children the same thing. It is it is reprehensible. It is abhorrent. It is it is a tragedy. It, ah, I can't even say it right. It's so bad. That being said, you know. I remember growing up, I was always told, anything that happens after 2 a.m. probably ain't going to be good for you. You know what? That turned out to be pretty good advice. And whatever Josh or Josh Gordon, whatever Cream Hunt was doing at that hotel with that woman late at night, you saw what happened. He put himself in that situation. He's an idiot. Maybe you should have done what Chris Carter said. Got to get you a fall guy. <laughs> good old CC. All he does get touchdowns. And snort coke. All right, I, I got I got another NFL question for you, real quick. So we we also have um, Kyler Murray. He is he is completely committed to football. What's happening with him? Where's he getting drafted? And who's got their eyes set on him? You think the Oakland, Santa Barbara, uh, Las Vegas, Birmingham, Mexico City. 
There is absolutely no way the Raiders select him at number four. Um, I've heard he's going to be a mid-first-round pick. Now, I will tell you this. If he if he does last to the end of the first round, the Raiders will absolutely be all over him. But now, it's not happening. If this was three days ago, I agree with you 100%. But since then, all of a sudden, people sound like he might go in the top five. No, there's no way. You don't think so? Haskins is going to go to the Giants. He's going to be the first quarterback picked. I think Kyler Murray will end up being a top 10 pick because there's teams at what, five, six, and seven, or six, seven, and eight that could all go for a quarterback. He ain't uh, going to the Raiders. Gruden's that in love with Carr that he won't make a move. Oh, Gruden's not in love with Carr at all. He's not in love with Carr at all, but you can't go Kyler Murray at number four. I'm sorry. It ain't happening. He's a, happening. he's a transgenerational talent. Come on, man. Uh, I, I've been on his bandwagon, but he's not a number four pick. Where where is his appropriate draft stock? I just said end of the first round. End of the first round. All right, so you heard it here from Mister Brown Kuiper that that's where it's going to happen. That's where it should be. Now somebody overreaches. That's not my problem. I mean, Josh McDaniels took Tim Tebow what eighteen or twenty one or whatever it was, and we saw how that turned out. They won a playoff game in Pittsburgh. And what's he doing now? He's playing for the Mets because he's a hell of an athlete. Because the AAF's not even good enough for him. Well, when you take a knee, you're not playing in the NFL. Mm. Mm. <laughs> I think in the first round is where he should get drafted. I agree with you there. I think somebody will reach for him higher than that, but I think that's kind of his place. Just because he had one big year at Oklahoma where everybody on his team is usually better than everybody on the other team doesn't mean that he's automatically a top-five draft pick. Here's what I'm saying. I hope he falls to the late first round for the Raiders. What I'm hearing is is that he's not going to last past the 15 rounds, 15, 15th, 15th pick tops. 15th pick tops. I'm with it. you. Yeah, I, I, I've heard the same thing. He's not going to make it out of the 15 picks. Correct. Yeah. He ain't going to make it out of the top 10. I'd weigh a yeah, we'll nice little friendly wager on that. What are you going to wager, Biggs? Well... You how think about, about it? I'll let about, you know, how, but you you let me know. I know what my my request is is that you take your Tom Brady jersey and you light it on fire. That'd be like burning money. I don't have disposable income. Well, a bet's a bet, man. That's what it's about. Is about burning money potentially. I, here, here, I got a solution here. If you two want to make a bet, don't make it about burning no jerseys. Let's make a bet on the Kyler Murray projection. And potentially make one of you do something uh, prior to the uh, fantasy football draft. Well, we still got months away from that, and we got the draft in April, so we'll think about that. Exactly. That's a good. That's a good call. Meanwhile, in the NBA, we are seeing ridiculous feats happen, and and I got to ask you guys right now: Are you more impressed with the beard? Or are you more impressed with Russell Westbrook? We got Mr. Triple Double himself or Mr. 30 point game himself. Where are you at, Biggs? To me, the triple double is far more impressive, especially the fact that they're winning each night because the 10 assist part of it, you have no control over that. So it's not this is you made 10 passes a night. It's that you set guys up in good positions to score because in the league today, if you're a ball dominant player, getting up. 14, 15, 16 threes a game like Harden does, you're going to put in 30 a night. 
Like, it doesn't I mean, think about it. He shoots 15 threes a game, guys. But it doesn't bother you at all that like Westbrook has to dominate the ball to the point he does. And and and, and the, the thing for me with the rebounds with Westbrook is that he plays so out of position as a point guard that he's he's never an outlet. When have you ever seen Russell Westbrook as an outlet? Do you outlet? want him as an outlet? Do you want a big man to catch it, turn, look at him, fire it up the court? Do you want him to get it, turn his head, and run past half the defense? No, I want my point guard as an outlet. I want somebody to get the rebound and throw it to the guy that can score. I don't want him to have to go 90 feet every time. So what happened to 25 years ago when we were just – Excited as could be Jason Kidd, go down, grab a board. He'd run the break by himself. Now we're going to hate on Russell Westbrook because he puts up the other stats to go with it. Look, Jason Kidd wasn't doing it every night. And and I feel like Westbrook is getting these rebounds almost as a point to just get the stats. I mean, it does almost that, feel, it almost feels like at the end of the game or like down the stretch that he's just doing that just to pad the stats and to make sure he hits that triple-double. That's what I think. He is more involved in the game throughout the game than like a, a Harden who just puts up 30. He's got to be more involved as far as the passing, the rebounding, the scoring all around the game. You know, Mr. Uh, Six-Step himself, self, <laughs> Mr. Harden, that's pretty impressive in itself. So, uh, you know, He's the, but probably the most prolific scorer in the NBA today, and you, no one can deny that from Mr. Harden. I mean, you have Wilt Chamberlain's 100-point game, Kobe Bryant's 84-point game performance, Michael Jordan's six NBA final MVPs and championships to go with it, LeBron James' receding hairline, and James Harden's 30-point game stretch. What is the most impressive to you? I mean, LeBron James hairline because that thing keeps coming back and going away. I mean, from personal experience, it ain't supposed to happen that way. You give everybody six steps. I'm taking Harden all day. I'm just saying. Did you see him get absolutely stuffed shooting the three the other night? Oh. Did you see a biggie? Yeah, a Kobe against the T Wolves. Yes, yeah, yeah, that's exactly it. Did, Did he like throw it in the stands or what? No, he did that, you know, moonwalk back yeah. to the three-point line. And what? who was the defender? It was a young – I want to say his last name was like a Kobe, like Josh or Kobe or something. Kind of a, a no-name. He, he's it's, like a wing player for the T-Wolves. Right. All right. Oh. So, I'm telling you, he is on him. I mean, I don't even know why Harden pulled up to shoot it. It was like he pulled up to shoot it thinking that there's no way he's even going to try to block me. And it's like he didn't even buy a pump fake or anything. just bought into it and it blocked it with his elbow almost. Oh, God. Like just – and like Harden like just looked like he fell apart when it happened. Like, oh, what happened? Harden looked like that guy at the gym when you're right there with one other guy and you're like, hey, just put a hand on my face so I can get ready to shoot for the games and he decides to block your shot. And you're like, whoa, what'd you do that for? <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm going to say this. In today's NBA game, scoring is a premium. Everyone's scoring the ball. So I'm going to have to defer to the GOAT when he was asked which one's a more appropriate feat. You know, the, the 30 points a game for 30 straight or the triple doubles. 10 games in a row and winning, I'm going to say six championships. We all agree universally here that Jordan is the GOAT. Change our mind. Find us on social media, on Facebook, on Twitter. Email us at we don't know sports at yahoo.com. Change our mind. I don't think you can. He is the GOAT, and that is a more impressive thing. But between Harden and Westbrook, which one's more impressive, the triple doubles or the 30-point streak? 
to me, it's a triple doubles because it's playing both ends of the floor and your teammates, you have to rely a little more on your teammates. The scoring portion of it, if you just ball hog it, you put up 15 threes, you could get to 30 points. And there's a game two games ago where Harden shot a three up 14 with under a minute left in the game to get to his 30. Westbrook, what he's doing this particular stretch with the triple doubles is really impressive to me because they're winning at a high rate. He's got Paul George scoring the points. Yes, he is stat padding, but to me it's harder to stat pad relying on teammates to make it when you pass it to them than it is to shoot 16 threes a game. On a bad night, you shoot 25% and you get 12 points from there. He's not really shooting 16 threes a game, is he? I think he's shooting 14 a game. You keep going down, Biggs. Is it 12? <laughs> it might be eight. <laughs> uh, most nights, he's shooting 14 to 16 threes a game. Look the stats up. If it's different, watch him play. I watched him play against the T-Wolves the other night. He shoots a lot of threes. The way I look at it, between as many free throws as he shoots, a good free throw shooter, he draws fouls a lot. Before he gets a fast break layup or a dunk or anything, he's at like 20 points. That's on a bad shooting night. And I agree with you. Like in the old school game with like MJ getting 30 or even an Allen Iverson, um, they had to work for those and ones and several layups, you know. So, I mean, this is a different type of 30 points than we're accustomed to. All right. So, are you saying Westbrook's more impressive, both of you? I have to, of the two. Yeah, man. Triple double is a freaking, freaking nature anyway. It's hard to do. Harden, you know what? It's not surprising to see teams score 140 points, 130 points. It is what it is. I'm not trying to hate on the guy. It's still exceptional. It's fantastic. I might question a little bit on those calls, on them step backs and him traveling across the country and all that, but it is what it is. Harden's a great player, man. Fear the beard. He's a beast. He gets to the free throw line. He's shooting 13.63 pointers a game. There you go, Biggs. So you that again? 13.6 three-pointers wow, a game. He was right there. Yep. He's making about six. Six out of 13. I mean, so, I mean, he's he's a stud, man. He's having to carry everything because his team's been so banged up. The thing about Russell Westbrook, I will say, which I am not a Russell Westbrook fan. I think he's a stat monger. I don't think he makes your team incredibly better, although I think he's a great player. I think the fact that Paul George has had the year he has had and Westbrook has been able to continue to do what he's done. And like you said, Biggs, they're still winning, right? That is why I would give the edge to to uh, Westbrook, just because they still are doing something with some other players. You got Paul George having the year he's having. One thing I will say about Harden's streak, what Westbrook's doing with them winning is more impressive to me. He's had to do it out of necessity. When he started this streak, they were like in the bottom two or three in the Western Conference for playoff season. They were like 12th. They're in the top four now. So he's done it out of necessity, carried his team back up into the upper half of uh, the Western Conference. So the scoring streak is not as impressive to me, but Harden has carried his team along the way. Think about it like this, though. You got Westbrook, who is already number three on the all-time career triple-double list, okay? He's only... 11 behind Magic Johnson. He's roughly 50 behind Oscar Robinson right now. And 
He's going to pass all those guys with no problem. He's going to have the record by himself. Like next year. That's not even close. So he's going to pass the great Oscar Robinson next year at the very latest. It's crazy. Do you know how many points a game James Harden's averaging right now? I'd say, what, 32, 33? 36. Oh, for the whole year? Yes. Oh, that's amazing. That's pretty good. It is. But the great Oscar Robinson, that's all I'm going to say. 36.6. Oh, that's nice. They're both impressive. But I got to go with Westbrook. Yeah, I'm with you. That's a good, that, that's a good comparison, though, man. That's, that's intriguing. So let me ask you this. What's better, James Harden's beard or Russell Westbrook's outfits? James Harden's beard, personal preference. Mr. Brown, do you have a response? <laughs> I don't know how I follow that up. All right, so what did we learn today, guys? We learned what about the uh, Major League Baseball uh, happenings that free agency sucks and is still at a standstill, right? Absolutely. And do we think Machado and Harper's are going to sign by, by next week? I do not. I think they'll both be in March. I, I'm, I'm with you. Biggie said one of them will sign. And yeah, then Machado. Uh, and then the AAF, we're all in. Pops. The Birmingham Iron are our team. We're going to go ahead and proclaim that now. We got to get some shirts. We need to get some shirts. Birmingham Iron, we are, we are with you. We're going to send you one, Biggs. Okay, I need like a seven XL. We got to get them before they send them to Nigeria. Yeah, that's right. And then lastly, James Harden is having an exceptional season, but Russell Westbrook is probably just slightly more impressive. But we can't take anything away from both of them. But we kind of dig the beard, and we don't get the crazy outfits. Although, if you want something fun to see, go look at Russell Westbrook's Valentine's Day outfit. Right? He don't want to waste it down in. Uh, are they in the Cactus League? No, they're in the. They're in the grapefruit, uh, grapefruit League. My bad. Down in Orlando. He's pulling the Brett Favre of relief pitchers. He'll show up when the games start counting. Uh, with, with that track record, you can do that. I was going to make some <laughs> unnecessary comments about cell phone pictures, but I would, I would stay. Jim Sturger. <laughs> Jim Sturger.